Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L., as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Today, today, we're talking about the neurotypical rules that keep us stuck. But first, I want to ask you a super important question that I bet nobody has ever asked you before. Do you know what looks good on your brain? Do you know what really shows off your brain's best assets and helps you compensate for your trouble spots? In this episode, I'm going to show you why you need a capsule collection. Yes, just like the one made up of clothing, but this one is made up of strategies tailored just for your ADHD brain. And we'll look at why trying to follow the habits of successful neurotypicals is like having a really bad fashion sense. We all know the deal. We're trying to get motivated. We're trying to build good habits. We're trying to make progress on our goals. So we read the books and watch the videos and listen to the podcasts from people who are doing what we want to be doing, people who are having the success we want to have. They say things like, do the hardest thing first, eat the frog, wake up at 3 a.m. and stick to a rigid morning schedule. Focus on improving your weaknesses. We try these things and we fail massively. It's totally demoralizing. How are we ever going to get it together? How are we ever going to live up to our potential? For some reason, these habits just don't fit. When we manage to get ourselves to do them, they feel awkward and uncomfortable. Even more frequently, many of us can't even try on the habit. It's that bad of a fit. If this sounds familiar, I want to welcome you to a totally new capsule collection for your brain. As many of you know, clothing capsule collections are a curated set of clothing items that really work for you. They go together and they fit your life. If you have a great capsule collection, when you put on any one outfit, You can reliably look in the mirror and say, yeah, this fits. This is working for me. Maybe you can even say, hey, girl, hey, you really got it going on today. A good capsule collection makes you feel good in your body. It makes you feel both comfortable and confident. It helps you live the life you want to live. It doesn't get in your way. And when you look inside your closet, regardless of your mood or the occasion, there's always something you're excited about wearing. In order to curate your perfect capsule collection, you need to know what fits your body and what fits your lifestyle. But, but, if you've ever tried to create this for yourself, you probably know how easy it is to fall prey to building a wardrobe for your fantasy self. Oh, that fantasy self. Oh, she always, she's always so put together. She's always so well-groomed. Her looks are always on point and perfect for the occasion. Everyone has a different version of their fantasy self. 
Maybe your fantasy self likes beautifully tailored, fitted clothes. Maybe your fantasy self doesn't mind taking clothing to the dry cleaner. Maybe your fantasy self likes light-colored clothes. So you make that fantasy self capsule collection. But what all of those fantasy preferences have in common is that they're not real. And when you meet the needs of your fantasy self, you're not meeting the needs of your real self. Maybe it turns out that your real self loves comfy clothes, would sooner throw clothes away than make it to the dry cleaner, and immediately stains every beautiful light-colored piece of clothing you've ever put on. You've built a wardrobe for the person you wish you were but aren't, and so nothing works You soon find out that you don't magically become your fantasy self by trying to fit yourself into the clothes that your fantasy self would wear. Ask me how I know. (laughs) And worst of all, you're likely to find yourself saying that nothing fits right and you have nothing to wear, which when it comes to clothing is a relatively trivial problem. But when it comes to your brain, it's a much, much more serious problem. If you don't have strategies that fit your brain, it means you're likely to believe you don't fit in this world. If you don't have strategies that fit your brain, it means you're likely to be unaware of what really plays to your best assets. And that might lead you to believe that you have no good assets at all. If you don't have strategies that fit your brain, it also means you're likely to believe that there's no way out of feeling stuck. And as many of us know, all of this can very quickly lead to anxiety, depression, and burnout. You need something that works for who you actually are. When it comes to habits, we need a capsule collection of strategies that fit our real brain, not our fantasy brain. Not the neurotypical aspirational rules that have been modeled to us since we were born. There might be some of you out there saying, oh great, Oh, great. So now I'm resigned to wearing threadbare sweatpants and living with Cheeto stains all over my chest. Is that what you're telling me? Because that's what my real brain wants to wear. For that, I say hashtag relatable. And also, there's actually a third way. You can lean into what's comfortable, what your brain naturally wants to do, while also feeling confident in your life, taking action towards your goals, feeling motivated and ambitious. To discover this, we can look at what we know about the science of the ADHD brain and create strategies that work with and show off our brain's best assets. Neurotypical strategies are likely to display our flaws. And of course, there's nothing wrong with flaws. Every human has them. But when we lean on our weakest skills, we're not likely to get the success we want. Obviously, just like when you're creating the perfect capsule collection, you'll try some things that don't work. Maybe even some things I'm going to tell you about today. Don't let that discourage you. Shop around. Try on some wacky things. Notice when something starts to make you feel more comfortable and more confident. So we've discussed how following neurotypical rules is like creating a capsule collection for our fantasy selves. We're likely to feel like nothing works. We don't feel comfortable or confident, and we have no effective strategies to make progress in our lives. 
After this short break, I'll lay out the top four neurotypical rules that we've been taught since we were kids and explain exactly why they're a bad fit for our brains, according to science. And for each of those rules, I'll show you a better strategy, one that shows off your brain's strengths and deserves a spot in your capsule collection. Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right-hand side and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. So now let's get right into it. There are four major neurotypical rules that we've all been taught are the right way to be a successful human. But for most of us ADHDers, they're a bad fit for how our brains actually work. And trying to squeeze ourselves into these poorly fitting rules is likely to highlight our weaknesses and keep us stuck. Neurotypical rule number one, do the hardest thing first. They say to do this because neurotypical brains have the most motivation and willpower first thing in the morning. That's in large part thanks to a resting pool of dopamine that neurotypical brains have at the ready. With the dopamine all ready to go, it makes sense to just go off to the races when their energy is highest. But here's what actually works for the ADHD brain. Don't do the hardest thing first. Instead, focus on creating dopamine first. You need to create dopamine for yourself so that you can start. Without the resting pool of dopamine, we need to cultivate the dopamine that will serve as a springboard into productive work. As many of us know, dopamine doesn't just make us feel good. It's what allows our brains to come into focus. Without it, we're people with visual impairments trying just to squint harder in order to see. It doesn't work! (laughs) Three ways to create dopamine before taking on the hard thing. One is quick wins. Do small, easy things to work your way up to the hard thing. I call this slippery sloping it. So you could tidy your desk, set out a nice beverage, read or listen to something relevant to your work. Write out the steps you need to take in order to complete your task. Another way is quick fun. Allow yourself to not be productive so you can harvest a little dopamine before you start. For example, set a timer and scroll Reddit or Instagram. Play a short game on your phone. Take a minute to cuddle your animals. Have a snack. Listen to high energy music. The next way is quick exercise. Try a quick walk or jog around the block. Dance to a favorite song or two. Lift some weights or work out with some resistance bands. If you're prone to falling down the rabbit hole with certain activities like social media and video games, either set a timer or cross them off the list of options. All of these can be thought of as the warm-up our brains need in order to take on the hard thing. 
When trying them on, notice which ones get you into motion the best. Which ones help you to say, yeah, let's do this. That is one of your best fits and deserves a spot in your capsule collection. It's important not to let your brain trick you into thinking that these dopamine cultivating activities are procrastination. When used the right way, they're actually the opposite of procrastination. They give your brain what it needs to perform. So neurotypical rule number one is do the hardest thing first, but that's not a good look for us. What suits the ADHD brain better is to cultivate dopamine first in order to do the hard thing. Neurotypical rule number two is you can only be successful if you're consistent. Neurotypicals are biased towards the nine to five grind as the definition of a success because that's what works for them. Most neurotypicals feel like they do their best when they have a routine. So it's convenient for them to say that routine and consistent action produces the best results. But is it the only way? Hell no! Here's what actually works for the ADHD brain. Being persistent. You can be persistent instead. As it turns out, being persistent is actually something that you're already very well practiced in being just by the fact that you're a neurodivergent brain living in a neurotypical world. Whether you realize it or not, you have been persistent your whole life just in order to get by and get your needs met in a world that was not set up for your brain style. So lean into that. Capitalize on those times when your brain is at its peak. Allow yourself to hyper-focus and go for the gold when the conditions are right. Perhaps you have trouble getting started, but once you're in the zone, you're unstoppable. Embrace that. Use it to your advantage. You can be a sprinter instead of a marathoner. You can go hard and then take a breather. And when you're sitting on the bench, not able to get your head in the game, resist the temptation to beat yourself up and instead ask yourself what you need to get back to it. Here's what that can look like for freelancers or business owners. Create space for deep work where you get to sprint and be hyper-focused, followed by deep rest where you let it all go. Nine to fivers can try this too. Here's what it can look like. Select days where you decide you're going to go hard and get in the zone and other days where you can pull back and take your foot off the gas a bit. Controlling our focus and attention takes massive amounts of energy and effort. In order to avoid burnout, we require time off leash where we get to let go of effort. This is far more important than being consistent day in and day out. So neurotypical rule number two is that consistency is the only way to success. But if you have ADHD, consistency is not a good fit. It's not likely to be something you can feel comfortable and confident wearing. We're likely to look at it in the back of our closets and feel like failures because it's many sizes too small for the brain we have. Instead, we can add persistence to our lineup. Persistence is the stylish hoodie we've been wearing since we were little. It's comfortably familiar and at the same time amps our best qualities. It makes our brains look amazing. Neurotypical rule number three is that if you're not excited to engage in an activity, it's because you don't really care about it. 
For neurotypicals, the equation is simple. Where there is interest and intent, there is also motivation and follow through. When you care about something, you get it done. Without perfectionism and executive dysfunction to muddy the waters, this makes good sense. But here's what's actually true for the ADHD brain. We can have resistance to the activities we value the most. ADHDers have an outsized fear of failure and imperfection. This makes sense. Many of our strongest memories are of our life history of failures. Our resistance to engaging in a valued activity can have a lot more to do with that fear than it does how much we like or care about an activity. Fear and anxiety can further undermine our already compromised executive functions, which, as many of you know, are those invisible mental processes in our brain that would help us navigate hard things. I have always loved photography, but every time I picked up my camera, I was filled with dread. Then I would think, well, if I really loved photography, picking up my camera wouldn't feel this way. I call this the middle school crush. Just as soon as we realize we like someone or something, we also recognize the possibility of rejection or failure. I mean, see our graveyard of discarded hobbies. So what do we do to our crush? Avoid them, (laughs) aka we procrastinate. Here's what to try instead. Recognize name and allow fear when it comes creeping. Feel the fear and let it come along for the ride. Know that avoidance is often just a reflection of that fear, not a sign that we've fallen out of love with an idea or an activity. That means that when I pick up my camera and feel that dread, I can call it fear and not have to question whether I actually like photography. I can decide that that feeling of dread is not a sign to put the camera down. What that feeling actually is is a part of myself that remembers this thing of failure and is trying to protect myself from it happening again. And I can appreciate my instinct for self-protection while recognizing that I'm not actually in any real danger. I can recognize the fear and where it comes from, and I can decide to persist. So neurotypical rule number three is that if there is something that you care about, you'll take action on it. If you don't take action, it shows that you don't care. That concept is just not true to size if you're neurodivergent. There's a lot of reasons why you might not take action on something you care deeply about. The main culprits are usually executive dysfunction and perfectionism. So what's our better fit? We can know that our resistance to doing something doesn't have to mean anything about our desire. It might actually have more to do with our fear. And we can incorporate fear into our capsule collection. It has an important use case, even if it's not our favorite look. Neurotypical rule number four, to be successful, you have to be well-rounded. In order to do that, focus on improving your weaknesses. School makes it mandatory for us to succeed in or at least pass every subject. To get into a good college, you need to do well at every part of the standardized test. But in real life, adult life, believing we need to be good or even competent at all the things keeps us spinning our wheels. Worse still, it reduces the time and energy we have to spend in our zone of genius using our unique superpowers. 
But here's what's actually true for the ADHD brain. In order to be massively successful, specialize in what you're good at. Here's a little story time. I used to own a product business, and I believed that to be a good business owner, you needed to fluidly and easily run all parts of the business. But what that actually translated to in reality were excruciating hours trying to do quote-unquote easy admin tasks over using my genius for product development and marketing. Every day I spent a huge amount of my time and energy answering customer emails and packing boxes. The vast majority of the population can do these tasks more quickly and more easily than I can. I knew this and still I kept at it, believing that it shouldn't be so hard. Within a year of hiring admin support and a production manager, my business went from 100K in revenue to 1 million in revenue. Specializing in my zone of genius allowed me to pour my time and energy into those activities that actually moved the needle and created massive profit. Here's what to try instead. Identify your zone of genius. What puts you in the flow or feels effortless for you? What can you do easily that others find challenging? What activities drain you and which give you joy? If you have ADHD, the answer is likely not admin, housework, or personal organization. Be honest and unashamed about the things you routinely don't like doing or consume a disproportionate amount of your energy, even and probably especially if those are things that others would call easy. And then do everything in your means to delegate that stuff. So neurotypical rule number four is to focus on improving your weaknesses so that you can be well-rounded. Keeping this one in our closet is guaranteed to make us feel like we can't keep up. Because of how our brains work, some easy things like admin and organization are likely to take a huge amount of time and energy. And that's time and energy we're not getting to spend on the things that are hard for others but easy for us. And that's really where our advantage is. When I owned a product business, I could either come up with original and innovative marketing ideas or with the same amount of time and energy, I could pack boxes and respond to customer emails. Once I was willing to delegate, it was clear that spending the majority of my time in my zone of genius is what I needed to do to move the needle on my business. This was my best fit the one that deserved a prime spot in my capsule collection. And now it's time for the rescue recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. So we've discussed how following neurotypical rules is like creating a capsule collection for our fantasy self. We're likely to feel like nothing works. We don't feel comfortable or confident. And at the end of the day, we end up feeling like we have nothing to wear. We don't have effective strategies to make progress in our lives. In particular, I dig into four neurotypical rules that we've been taught since we were kids that are an especially bad fit for our brains according to science. For each of those rules, I presented a strategy that is likely to fit you better, one that shows off your brain's strengths and deserves a spot in your capsule collection. 
Neurotypical rule number one, do the hardest thing first. But here's what actually works for the ADHD brain. Don't do the hardest thing first. Instead, focus on creating dopamine first. Neurotypical rule number two, you can only be successful if you're consistent. Here's what actually works for the ADHD brain. Being persistent. You are already excellent at being persistent. When you're having trouble getting back in the game, ask yourself what you need. Neurotypical rule number three. If you're not excited to engage in an activity, it's because you don't really care about it. But here's what's actually true for the ADHD brain. We can have resistance to the activities we value the most. That's because our perfectionism and executive dysfunction ensures that we'll both fear failure and have trouble navigating through negative emotions. Practice recognizing fear when it arises and allowing it to come along for the ride. Neurotypical rule number four, to be successful, you have to be well-rounded. In order to do that, focus on improving your weaknesses. But here's what's actually true for the ADHD brain. In order to be massively successful, specialize in what you're good at. Make it your goal to be working in your zone of genius as often as possible and delegate the rest. Let your assets shine. Okay, so here's the challenge for this week. Which of these neurotypical rules have you been consciously or unconsciously following? How can you switch it up so that your capsule collection of brain strategies helps you to feel more comfortable and confident in your life? I am rooting for you and I love you. SOS Squad, over and out. Do you have a question about ADHD or an issue with productivity that you'd like to hear discussed on the show? I would love to throw you a lifeline. Send your SOS message to ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. That's ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you.